Welcome to the Lean Health Tech Podcast, where industry professionals discuss trends and topics where efficiency, healthcare, and technology meet. My name is Taryn Shipley, and I'm your host. Our guest speaker today is Dr. Lyle Berkowitz, the founder and CEO of KeyCare, the nation's only virtual care company built on the Epic platform. He has more than 20 years of experience as a primary care physician, a health system executive, an informatician, a healthcare innovator, and a serial entrepreneur. Previous roles include founder and chairman of HealthFinch, chief medical officer at MD Live, and director of innovation for Northwestern Medicine in Chicago. Dr. Berkowitz also is editor-in-chief for Telehealth and Medicine Today and board member for OneView Healthcare. He's been listed as one of Health Leaders' 20 People Who Make Healthcare Better, Health Spotter Future Health Top 100, and Modern Healthcare's Top 25 Clinical Informaticists. Today's topic is virtual visionaries, key care's revolutionary approach to telehealth. It's no secret that the U.S. healthcare system is experiencing a reportedly dangerous shortage of healthcare providers, but there's another perspective to the situation. We have a sufficient number of providers, but we're not using them efficiently. That's one of the core beliefs behind the new virtual care organization, KeyCare. So Dr. Berkowitz, give us some background about KeyCare. How did it get started and what services does it provide? It got started really as a combination of everything I've done in my career. I'm a primary care physician you know, who served as part of the executive IT team in my primary care group, and then the innovation team in my group in my healthcare system at Northwestern. And then I actually spent a couple of years as an executive at a national telehealth vendor. I also had a history of developing and building other companies in the efficiency, workflow efficiency space. So all this came combined with COVID. And we said, with COVID, there was so much need for virtual care. And so many health systems were finally doing virtual care. And so many health systems use Epic that everything sort of combined together to say, why don't we start a new virtual care company that is built on the platform that so many health systems use, Epic, allows us to provide partnership to these health systems so they can access our team of virtualists that we are building up. And furthermore, we're going to arm these virtualists with more than simply, you know, the regular telehealth software, um, but we're going to build up a variety of automation efficiency tools on top of that software to make sure it's a tech-enabled team that can really amplify the providers in the health system by working with a team that is really optimized to be hyper-efficient at virtual care. So is it limited to urgent care only, or are you branching off into primary care as well? And do you have future plans to branch off into specialty areas? We certainly started with 24 by 7, 50-state urgent care. It's what so many health systems want and need to provide for a variety of reasons. It was an easy place for me to start with my background, um, but we've already expanded into primary care. We For annual wellness visits, we can do scheduled sort of same-day visits. And we've uh, expanded into specialty care. Uh, We offer behavioral health, both therapists and psychiatrists, uh, as well as rheumatology. And we're adding on a variety of other specialty options during the year. Can anybody use KeyCare or only those whose healthcare organizations have formally partnered with KeyCare? Well, theoretically, I guess they could 
send folks to to us. But really, we're, what we're focused on doing is partnering with health systems to offer them this in a really coordinated way, because we feel that's super important. So our Epic instance that we've optimized for this virtual care connects to the health systems uh, using Epic. We're able to connect using relatively standard Epic functionality that includes Care Everywhere to create interoperable data sharing, uh, but also new functionality Epic's rolled out in the past few years uh, to support what I call workflow interoperability. Telehealth Anywhere and Book Anywhere are new functionalities that allow for cross-instant scheduling so patients can self-schedule or schedulers can book appointments into key care in a very seamless way. And then we also have the ability to uh, use direct messaging and share messaging to set up ordering, to do referrals across instances, to really, truly be a coordinated partner. So once an organization has formally agreed to partner with KeyCare, about how long or difficult is the implementation uplift? So to set everything up, we usually tell them it's 8 to 12 weeks. And the tech part of it's relatively easy. A lot of that is organizational change management, creating the content that you want to describe the experience to your patients, and just a couple of types of decisions. Quickest uh, we had was a, a group that from our first call where they said, yes, we want to do this to contract and going live took all of six weeks. So we're actually able to really quickly, but we know in a healthcare system, there's often lots of hurdles to get through. So we, we quote eight to 12 weeks. It can be a bit longer also if they decide to credential our doctors uh, and we can assign billing to them. So the health system itself can actually own the billing portion of it. And that's just more dependent on, again, their credentialing process uh, than any technology. That is an amazingly fast implementation period. That's really impressive. And I must say, you're speaking my love language, which is Epic. <laughs> I appreciate that you guys used Epic because of its interoperability and just how smoothly it integrates with the existing organizations. But you did mention the billing portion. Let's talk about how the shift towards virtual patient care impacts revenue. So how will the increase in virtual care and partnering with a vendor like KeyCare, how does that impact a healthcare system's bottom line? Such an important question, right? Because how does improving access you know, have a financial outcome? There are actually about three or four different ways we describe this. Number one, of course, is anything that increases capacity and access is a good thing financially for a health system because, of course, it increases what they call keepage or decreases leakage. And you want to keep these folks in your health system because the, the more people in your health system, the more they will wind up doing things. Some people call it downstream revenue, et cetera. But the idea is increasing capacity is always good. In a fee-for-service environment, uh, it means that they'll do more later on down the road. In a, in a capitated or value-based model, it means that you have more PMPL. The second thing that's important is what we call load balancing. And that is that your office-based doctors, what I call officeologists, they have limited capacity. Um, you know, they can see 20, 25 patients a day, but there's a limit to their capacity. And load balancing means you're making sure they are seeing what you consider the highest value patients in the office, the ones that need to be in the office, that need a lab test, that need some type of procedure, that need 
extra time with the doctor because they've got a complex issue that will result in something bigger. These high-value patients are the ones who may need to see a specialist. They may need cancer care some type of heart studies, et cetera. Meanwhile, we load balance the more routine care to the virtual care team. So the virtualists are able to more efficiently take care of things like minor urgent care issues that don't have uh, extensive workup needed, stable chronic care patients, um, general preventive care checkups. These things are all what I call, call them the triple R threat that often overwhelms office-based doctors. And that triple R is routine, repeatable, rules-based care. Things that are not stretching the mind of the doctors in the office, nor creating huge value for the health system, but they need to be taken care of. And our goal is to set up an automated, delegated, virtualized team that can take care of them very efficiently. So all of a sudden, now what you're seeing in the office are higher value. So that's load balance. And the third thing is we actually can help health systems create a new lines of business. Urgent care being a good example, right now, health systems often have lots of relationship with local employers or maybe even a regional payer. And those employers and payers are often looking for 24 by 7, 50 state urgent care coverage in a virtual sense. Um, and they have to go to these third parties to get it. What if they could go to their local health system that they already know and love and have relationships with and offer their patients a hybrid approach so that they have that 24 by 7, 50 state virtual urgent care access, but also know that if there's something that is more significant, they have that hybrid into the office um, handoff that's really coordinated. And so we think and have seen our health systems actually winning back employer contracts that they may have lost to third parties. And finally, we can start using this virtual care team to do a lot of things in the, I'll call the quality space that are really aligned with financials. Things like follow up after ERs to decrease readmissions or follow up after hospital discharge. Overall decreasing ER utilization can be important in a variety of ways. Better management of chronic care patients, the ability to do annual wellness visits, particularly in a Medicare Advantage or other ACO um, scenario can help with attribution, risk adjustment, care gap closures. There are all these things once you see that you've got this virtual care team that can be really efficient that you're going to start using them for. And that's what we're seeing our health systems do is once they get going with us, all of a sudden everyone's raising their and say, hey, I've got these extra team members to start helping out in these little things that maybe no one's covering right now, but really add up and can be important. I think you've said almost every single key word in the healthcare industry. You've said metrics, quality outcomes, care gap closure, reimbursement measures. People are salivating at, I think, partnering with companies like you because of the impact that you have not just from a smaller company perspective. Like if you partner with one healthcare organization, yes, you're impacting thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of patients. But I want to talk about big scale, the U.S. healthcare system in general. Everyone knows it's broken. It's not working well for really anyone. But organizations like KeyCare, you're alleviating major strains like rural health. Access to rural healthcare systems is a huge topic with healthcare deserts across the country. It sounds like KeyCare might be part of the solution when it comes to low access for rural health areas as well. Is that correct? So our purpose yeah, as a company is to improve healthcare access for all. And obviously rural is an issue, but also there are a lot of deserts in the urban setting. 
I'm in Chicago and you know we can look at our west and south side and know um, that there are issues there and just as big in the world because the density uh, can be so great. So it's a national problem for sure. And we can certainly help in a variety of ways. In some cases, you know, we certainly just provide coverage to help a health system and particularly things like overflow during the day and after hours. And other times we'll co-manage patients so that we really, again, are amplifying the primary care doctor in the office, allowing them to hand off to us stable patients so they can take care of the, the more complex ones in the office. And that also helps with access because it opens up more room for them. And finally, we can do complete management of some patients, and that may be helpful in some of these areas. It is a lot of people will look at virtual care and say, oh, it's not as good as being in the office. Well, to a patient who's in a rural area um, or a desert who has really no access, virtual care is certainly much better than the alternative, which is no care. Part of virtual care is to take care of the basic stuff, but also to triage and understand when to hand off. And part of how I see key care's uniqueness um, is that we are so integrated and coordinated with the nation's health systems that uh, we not, on, not only know when to triage to a higher level of care, but we have the partnerships in place to allow us to do that in a variety of ways, which I think is a really important part of the discussion that we are part of this hybrid solution, not a virtual only solution. How does provider credentialing work? I mean, if you're a provider in Illinois, you have to be credentialed in Illinois. And if you want to practice in Tennessee, then that's a different set of paperwork. Do you have providers for all different states or is there some sort of telehealth loophole where providers can provide telehealth no matter which state they or the patient are in? What you're talking about first is licensing. So uh, a provider does need to be licensed in the state in which they are practicing. And so many of our doctors do have multiple licenses so they can practice in multiple states. And that's important to provide that level of coverage. And then part of what we do is make sure we schedule so that we can cover across uh, the nation, particularly for urgent care. During COVID, there were a couple of uh, loopholes, so to speak, uh, that have since been rescinded that made it easier for coverage. Uh, there are a couple of states that have a telehealth-only license, which makes it a little easier. And there is now the semi-national compact licensure that simply makes it easier for doctors to get licensure licensure across multiple states, although, again, it makes more sense for virtualists um, to do that. Credentialing is actually more involved with when you want to work more closely with a healthcare system. They can actually credential our doctors into their health system and enroll them into health plans, uh, which allows the health system to actually do the billing for the visits that we're doing in partnership with them, which can become really important to make it, again, more seamless for their patients to get care. And does KeyCare employ only physicians or are there also APPs? We have physicians, APPs, mainly NPs, and uh, we're also looking at you know, everyone you know, from ancillary services like nurses, pharmacists, medical assistants. Again, we're going to be building up a team, should have multiple levels so that everyone can work at the height of their license. We cannot create new doctors, right? If all we did was it was had doctors online, uh, while that's a good thing and helps some people, it's not scalable. So we think about automation and delegation as well as virtualization, meaning automate what part of the process we can automate. We delegate to other 
team members, what we can delegate, and then we do it all on a virtual platform um, so we can deliver it in a scalable way. Again, back to the initial comments, see, um, I, I believe we, we don't have a shortage of physicians as much as a shortage of using them efficiently. I look at every other industry. Um, you look at the banking industry, the travel industry, the entertainment industry, they've all figured out, right? The legal industry, how to take advantage of the, the person at the top of the pyramid, so to speak, and build teams around them. And even within healthcare, think about the last time you went to a dentist, eye doctor, dermatologist, even surgeons, they all have teams around them. We have to do similar for primary care and variety of medical subspecialists to enable them to scale more effectively uh, and take care of more people. So where do you see key care in the next five years? What kind of growth would you expect to see and hope to see? There are 625 health systems in the U.S., of course, and that does the majority of the care out there. 400 of those systems are based on Epic. So our goal over the next five years is you know, we hope to partner with you know, 15, 20 you know, plus health systems every year. And over the next five years that we're working with 100 plus um, Epic-based health systems, bringing an economy of scale to them and becoming, if we do this right, you know, we are going to become the biggest and most important virtual care company in the nation, but we're not trying to create our own brand. We're doing this in service to and partnership with these health systems. Uh, I'm a health system guy, 20 plus years at Northwestern Medicine here in Chicago, and I really strongly believe in the power and importance of the health system. Uh, so I want to help those health systems be able to expand their capacity, um, increase access, improve the service levels, efficiency, quality of care that they can deliver so that we can actually start transforming how they manage a population and making a real difference in our healthcare system and solving, as we said, those sort of triple aim goals we always talk about. We always say, hey, we want to improve the quality of care. We want to improve the patient experience. We want decrease cost, increase access, make sure everyone you know, has care. But we, can, we can't do all those things at once. I think we can. If we do this well, we're going to be able to increase access, improve the patient experience and quality, and decrease cost all at the same time and work in both a fee-for-service environment as well as a value-based environment. So I'm obviously super passionate and thrilled about the, the opportunity that we have. I think healthcare has definitely been slow to buy into the lean ideals of being very process improvement oriented. It's obviously been around in manufacturing, which is where it originated, but I love that key care is embracing the lean idea and using providers more efficiently across the board. Do you have any last words of wisdom or advice you'd like to share with listeners? We have patients, providers, healthcare executives, IT folks, all kinds of people across the board that somehow interact with the health system. Any last bits of advice you'd like to give them? Change is hard. Yeah, I have been doing this a long time. I am recognized, right, how difficult it is to change when a lot of times health systems are doing relatively well. 
and sometimes they're victims of their own success. So the way that we're going at it is from within. You know, sometimes you think about, hey, in many other areas, you have to innovate outside. But in healthcare, I really believe in the importance of innovating from within, which is why we're using the platform that's already established with Epic. Um, it's why we're working with health systems. They're the ones who are touching and have relationships with the health systems and why we're there to support them. But I often talk about the three C's that will be you know, the critical parts of really uh, enabling this. Uh, number one is to transform a population how you manage a population. Number one is to be able to work with a care team that is coordinated with you, a virtual care team that's coordinated with you. That's what P-Care brings to these health systems. Number two is the overall change management uh, that is going to be really important. That means health systems really need to get good about educating doctors, staff members, and patients that Virtual care you know, is actually a really important part of the whole healthcare system, that it is completely appropriate and effective and really efficient for this routine stuff, but also have the promise that when you have a much more complex problem that you'll be able to get in. There is going to require a lot of change management to get everyone comfortable with that, and, and particularly get doctors and their teams comfortable with being able to share the care with another team, but make sure that's coordinated. And the third part that's going to be important is the last C is compensation redesign. Health systems have to rethink how they pay doctors, particularly primary care doctors and medical specialists. Imagine if we started paying them not based on their RVU volume, which puts them on a treadmill, but paid them on managing a population, the panel size that they manage, the quality of care and the experience. And if you could tell a doctor, hey, we're going to actually pay you more because you're going to have a bigger panel size, but you're going to see less patients in the office. You're not just going to go from 25 patients who are mixed, simple and complex to 25 complex patients. You're going to see 10 to 12 really complex patients that really need you in the office. And your virtual care team is going to wind up seeing a much higher number of more routine care, but you're going to oversee all of this. And because of that, we're going to increase your salary, decrease the demands on you in the office, and get you working to the height of your license. I think if we do that, we're also solving this, you know, this doctor dissatisfaction problem that we have, where we keep them on a treadmill, make them do really routine things instead of work to the, the height of their license and uh, in their abilities. If we do all that, again, we solve for the patients. We solve for the doctors um, and we solve for the health system needs all at the same time. So it's going to take a lot of work to get there. And it's going to take executives who want to truly transform you know, not just how we care, but how we pay for everything. And you know, at some point, that may also mean looking at how we get paid by payers, et cetera, as health system. So lots of work to do, but it is possible. Thank you so much for sharing your insight around KeyCare's approach to telehealth. This concludes today's Lean Health Tech podcast. If you're a listener and would like to hear a certain topic covered in future episodes, please let me know by leaving a review or comment. Thanks for joining and be sure to check out the next episode.